Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Morning, brothers and sisters. Great to see you. How you feel this morning? Tired. All right. Well, that's all right. I understand. That means because you spent a lot of good energy doing some great, great things and learning about some great, great things as well. And so if you're tired, that's all right. Because it means you've given yourself a lot to all that this weekend has had to offer. And I pray God would bless you for that. Now, we're going to begin today with one more talk about one family. And we began on Friday night. You remember that? That seems like such a long time ago. But we began talking about Almighty God lovingly inviting us to be a part of this one family. And we talked about how he brings us to that family and he wants us to show the world what he's like and what that family is like. And he calls us and loves us and calls us to love one another and sends us out that we would love the world around us and invite them to be a part of this great family that we see depicted so well and so beautifully up here. And we've been learning a lot through the prophet Hosea. Oops, let me go back. There we go. I got him. Through the prophet Hosea. And we saw that God gave him a very unique and very hard, honestly, call. One that we might not even understand. God, why are you doing that? It doesn't tell us at all how Hosea felt about it. It just tells us that he did what God called him to do. And we began on Friday night with the idea of I gave, that God gave the Israelites their freedom from Egypt. And that was depicted in Hosea marrying Gomer and giving her a new life and starting a new life with her. And that's a picture of what Almighty God does with us. He's created us. Look around the room for a second. Do you know what you're looking at? People that are fearfully and wonderfully made. The greatest works of art that have ever been created. Because you are made in the image and likeness of God. God has made you and he's created you. And he's called you. He's given you life. He's called you to be in relationship, in family with him. But then we began yesterday morning looking at some bad news. And that is, even given where God has called us to be, that we returned. First of all, we looked at that with, with Hosea's wife, Gomer. She returned to the things that she had left before. And she was unfaithful in this relationship that was meant to be exclusive. And that was just a picture, though of the people of God because that is what they had done with God. And as we thought about it, we think about the fact that we do the same thing. We're no different than they are. We also return to the things that we left. We return to the very things that shackle us and enslave us. And so what do we do about that? Well, we looked last night at the idea of our redeem. We realize that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to change that. But God has done something to change it. He's redeemed us. He's brought us into his family. And he fills us with power so that we can be able to live in the ways that he's called us to live. Well, we're going to end today looking at this idea of we will love. That not only does God love us, but he calls us in relationship and says, I'm going to teach you how to love. How to love me back. But not only that, how to love each other. And how to love this world around you that's broken, that I have come to heal. 
And so that's where we're going to be today in this last time that we have together. All right? Let me open in prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you again for this morning you've given us. Your word testifies about itself that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, which means unless we have the light of your word, we're walking in darkness. And so we want you to shine your light upon us through your word so that we can see where we're going and what it, what it means how to be one family. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to fill this place and that you would help us understand what we read, but not only that, but you would give us power to be able to walk in light of it when we leave this later on this morning. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Let all God's people say amen. I want to open with a, uh, a movie clip from a favorite movie of mine. Any basketball fans here? There's a movie that came out maybe 10 or so years ago. It's called um, Coach Carter. And it's about a, a real team in Richmond, Virginia. I know some of you guys from Grace, you're from Virginia. Well, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, I think this was set maybe about 20 years ago, there was a team that was just terrible. They, they're very talented, but they were terribly coached, honestly. And they, the players were just kind of doing whatever they wanted to do. Well, then they brought in another coach who's played by Samuel L. Jackson in the movie. And he instills a lot of discipline. He's a hard coach, but really he wants those guys to be one family. And so even though it's really hard, most of them say, you know what, we're going to listen to him because we think that he can really help us be the team that we want to be and the family we want to be. Well, there's one particular player that really rebels at this, and he walks out on the team. He almost gets in a fight with the coach, and he leaves, and he leaves the team. But then there's some, something tragic that happens in his life. He's just a high school student, but he experiences something incredibly tragic, and that brings him to his senses. He starts to realize, you know what, that the best thing I had going for me was being involved with this team. And so he goes back while they're practicing, and he goes to the coach, and he says, Coach, what do I need to do to get back on the team? And the coach says, you don't want to know. He says, no, I want to know. Whatever it takes for me to do it, I will do it. And the coach says, all right, for you to get back on the team, here's what you have to do. 2,500 push-ups and 1,000 suicide sprints. And this was on a Monday. He said, you got to do them by Friday. If you do that, you'll be on the team. If you don't, you won't. And so the clip I want to play for you is what comes at the end of the week when they tally up and, and we see how he's done with this challenge at the end of the week. So let's play that. Thank you. So by the end of the week, he had actually done a lot. Right, he did 2,000 of the push-ups and 1,500 or, or however many of the sprints, but it wasn't enough in and of himself. And the coach, you, you might think, all right, the coach is going to say, well, that's good enough, but he doesn't. He's about to walk out and say, you didn't do it, so you're, you're done. But then the other guys step up and they stand in the gap and they take the burden, they share the burden with them. Even the guy at the end is like, I, I guess I'll do some too at the very end. But that's what a family does. They share together and they have a common burden. That's what it looks like to love one another. And that's the kind of love that our Father wants to teach us about. That's the kind of love that we are called to with one another. And he's going to show us how to do that. Now let's go back to Hosea really quickly. I want to read you a few verses from Hosea chapter 2. 
And these verses are God talking about how he's going to love the Israelites. Remember last night, we looked at God calling Hosea to go back to his wife that had been unfaithful. And so God is saying, Hosea, I'm doing exactly what I've called you to do. That's how I'm going to love my people. And so I want to read you, not the whole thing, but a few verses. Therefore, this is God saying, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Achor, which means valley of trouble, a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And one more, this is the end of chapter 2. He says, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. You remember that from yesterday? He says, now I'm going to show my love to that one called not my loved one. And I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And I am your God. That's the way God was going to love those people. And guess what? That's the way that God loves you. And that's the kind of love that he has called us to bask in and grasp for ourselves and then to extend to the lives of the people around us. Now, I want to read you something in the New Testament. This just hit me a few years ago. There's a verse in 1 Peter. Have you guys ever heard this verse before? It says, you're a chosen people. Anybody ever heard this, this passage? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What a great picture of what it means to be the family of God. And those images there, Peter, this is a New Testament book. He's taken that from the Old Testament and saying, just like in the Old Testament, Israelites were supposed to be God's chosen people in a holy nation. Now that's true for all the people of God. But then look at verse 10 for a second. I didn't realize this till a couple years ago. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I always thought that, man, that is amazing. But you know what he's referring to there? It's Hosea. He's taking those words and those phrases from Hosea. And saying, just as in the Old Testament, when God said, the ones who are not my people, you're going to be my people. And the ones who are called not loved, you will be loved. He's saying that's true for you. And I want you to hear that today because it's true for you. That once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have, through Jesus Christ, you have received mercy mercy. And through him, you can become a part of that one family. And so our call is we will love. Now, yesterday I started off a story and I only told you the first part of it. You remember that son 
that got his inheritance and he ran away. And you remember where we left him yesterday? Where we leave him? That's right. He was working, feeding the pigs. And remember how hungry it says he got? He was so hungry that he was willing to eat what? Mud, pig food. That's how much he was willing to eat. So let's, I want to pick up the story from there. So where I left off was in verse 17. And here's what that son said. He said, it says, when he came to his senses, he thought to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then he got up and then he went to his father. I wonder, maybe there's some of you who've come today. You've come this weekend. Have you heard the things that we've talked about as one family? And maybe you've thought, man, pastor, you don't know all the things that I've done. But I've heard this good news about God calling us into one family. Maybe I can go back and I can kind of work my way back. Right? That's what he's saying. He's not saying I'm going to go back and be in, in the family. He's saying I can go back. My father's a good man. Maybe he'll hire me as a servant. And maybe you have feelings like that towards the father. You think, well, maybe he'll take me back at least as a servant at first. But I want you to see what the father does. Because it's an illustration of how the Father will receive you. Here's what it says. While he was still a long way off, his Father saw him, and he's filled with compassion. He's moved from the insides at the plight of his son, the son who had insulted him, who had shamed him, who ran away. He looks and he sees him off in the distance, and it moves his heart. And then it says he ran to his son. That never happened in that day. A father in that culture would not run to anyone because that would be too undignified. But here it says he's so filled with compassion that he doesn't care. He runs to his sons. He throw, throw his arms around him and kissed him. And that's a picture of him, the father running to meet this lost son. Because he's so excited just at the very sight of him returning. And I say that to say that's how the father feels about you. Returning to be in his family. Or maybe being in that family for the first time. That's how he runs towards you. Now I want to show you a picture. How many of you guys in school you've learned about an artist named Rembrandt? Have you ever heard that name before? He's a Dutch artist. He painted this picture. This is... Somewhere around 1669, he painted this picture. And you know what it's called? It's called the return of the prodigal son. So there in the picture, you see the guy that's down on his knees. And if you look closely, he's only got one shoe on. One of them has come off, and he's lost it somewhere. And you can tell, who is that? That's the younger son. And the one who's, who's meeting him and he's got his hands on him, that's the father. And there's one more person in the picture I want to point out. You see the person all the way on the right? That's the older brother. All right? So let's, let's continue in the story. So the son, he's, he's got out half the speech, right? The son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And actually, that's true because of what he's done. But the father doesn't let him get to the rest of the speech. What does he do? 
Here's a picture of that care. What does he say? The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Because imagine what this son must smell like and look like as he comes back. And so he says, go and get the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. He's so excited that the son has come home. He's not going to treat him like a servant. He's going to treat him like a what? Like a son. And he says it at the end. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Amazing. He's so excited. Well, there in the painting also is the older brother. Right? We kind of forget about him sometimes when we're telling that story. He, wasn't, he doesn't look too excited in that painting, does he? Well, that's because he's not excited at all, as we read in the story. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? And he said, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So you would think, man, the brother's probably going to be really excited, right, that his brother's come home after all this time. Well, let's see. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. And so guess what? The father goes out to him. He goes out to his other son, too. And he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Isn't it interesting the way that he describes his relationship with his father? All these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. Does he think of himself as a son or more like a what? Like a worker, like a servant. But then it says, yet you never gave me a young goat. So I could celebrate with who? With my friends. Not with you, but, but I want to celebrate with them. But then how does he characterize his brother? He doesn't even call him my brother. He says, this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes. When he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older son doesn't believe it. He's so angry. And in the story that Jesus is telling, I didn't read you the beginning of the story. You can go back and check that out in Luke 15 at the very beginning. It's because tax collectors and sinners are gathering around to hear Jesus. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are watching that. And they're saying, what's wrong with Jesus? Why is he hanging out with these people? This is crazy. And so Jesus tells these stories to illustrate why he does. Guess who the younger son illustrates in the story? Us but particularly the tax collectors and the sinners. The people that everybody else looked down upon. The people that everybody else would look at and say, oh, there's no hope for them at all. And the older brother in the story represents the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious people, the people that had it all together, seemingly. And what he's saying to them is, I want you to join me. I want you to be just as excited and going after the lost sons when they come home. 
Now let's look at the end. Jesus says in the story, My son, the father said, You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But then he tells him again the reason for celebrating. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He's saying to them, we've got to love. And Jesus was saying that to the people who were criticizing him for hanging out with the outcasts of that society. And I say that to us to say when we go home, May we be so characterized as Jesus that we're hanging out with the people that everybody in your school or maybe everybody in your community looks down upon. That's a mark of the people of God, of the family of God, that we would care for those that everybody else puts to the side. Maybe some of you are here and you're like, I'm one of the people that's an outcast. I'm one of the people that gets cast to the side. Well, aren't you glad? that Jesus wants you to be a part of his family. Well, now he wants you to be a part of that family that cares for people who feel just like you do. And so I wonder, are there some people in your own mind, some friends of yours back home, some people maybe in your own family, some people back in your school that don't have any friends? I don't know if this is still true in your day, but the lunch table was kind of the the dividing line when I was in school. Like they had the cool table. You could tell where you ranked by where you sat in the lunchroom. And the people who ranked on the bottom kind of sat together and by themselves. How amazing it would be if the family of God said, I'm going to go sit with the people that nobody else wants to be with. Because that's what our father is like. That's what his family is like. Last thing I want to close with, and then we'll be done. This is a picture, actually, of Baltimore. You guys been to Baltimore? Our hometown. This is a picture of the docks downtown, like maybe in the 50s or 60s. And uh, there was a guy who was working on the docks. He was a a longshoreman. So they literally, they go out with the nets and let him out and and catch fish and bring him in. That's what he did for a living. And uh, and the the guy I heard telling the story was saying, you know, this guy... um, he, he's married and he has kids, but he was in a marriage that was just horrible. He and his wife couldn't stand each other. They couldn't stand to be in the same room, much less talk to each other. They had this horrible relationship. But then all of a sudden, something happened with the guy, the longshoreman. He, um, through a friend that he was working with, he came to know Jesus Christ. He came to be a part of this one family. And so one of the things he would do is every morning, he would get up in the morning, and he would pray, and he would read his Bible. And so he already had to get up at 5 in the morning. So now he starts getting up at 4. Every morning, he's reading his Bible and praying, and he starts to pray. His his heart starts to change towards his own wife. And he begins to pray for her every day. And he says, Lord, give me strength. Give me strength to love my family. Give me strength to love my wife. Change me so that I do. And then one morning, this is about a year later, he's there in his Bible reading and and praying, and then all of a sudden he can hear the steps creaking and somebody coming down, and it's his wife. And she's coming down to where he is, and he starts praying, oh, Lord, I don't want to fight. Please, please give me the words to say to her. And she comes over to him, and she has tears in her eyes. And he says, what's wrong? 
And she says to him, for the last year, you've been loving me. And I've been hating you. I've been trying to destroy you. And yet, you've been responding to me in love. And she's weeping. She says, I don't understand. I don't understand what you have. But then she said, but I want it for myself. I want to know what you know. I want to know what's changed you. And so then he told her again, it's only Jesus Christ that's changed me. He's made me a part of his one family, and he would love to have you be a part of that family too. And so she, right there, she prays with them. They pray together, and they become, it's not just the husband or dad now that's following Jesus, the husband and wife. And then later that day, they gather the kids around. And they tell the kids what's, hap- what's happened, and they say, guess what? We're going to be a family that follows Jesus Christ because we're a part of his family. And they tell the kids this great news about Jesus Christ. And the guy who's telling that story was actually the son, one of those kids who saw this incredible change, first in his father, but then in his mother, and then their marriage. And that little boy grew up. And he ended up becoming a pastor himself. And he's actually one of my favorite preachers in all the world. His name is is Dr. Tony Evans. He's a preacher in Dallas, Texas. He's still preaching. But he grew up in Baltimore. But he came to know Jesus through his family, through his father being a part of this one family and loving his wife and seeing her come to know Jesus and her becoming part of the family. And so they became a part of that family too. And God has used him in incredible ways, literally all around the world, to tell people about the family of God. And so I share that story with you to say that God wants to do the same thing and he's in the business of doing the same thing with people like me and people like you. He wants you, he invites you to be a part of this family. Will you be a part? Are you a part already? Where do you see yourself on that tree? And being a part of that family, we're called to love one another and all the people around us so that we show the world what that family is like and so that we invite others to be a part of that family. What about you? Maybe here's some questions to think about. Maybe as you're in the van, or maybe even later when you're home. What are one or two things that you're going to remember from this time that we've had together over the last couple days? What are you going to remember? What are you going to take back? Two, how, how would you describe God's one family? And where do you see yourself fitting in that family? And then lastly, who are some people back home that you'd like to invite to be a part of that family? All right, your leaders have those questions after you're done. But let me close us in prayer, and then I'll end this time now. Lord, we're so grateful. I thank you for that verse that was read earlier. How great the love the Father, you, have lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. That's crazy. But we thank you. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, you call us to be a part of this one family. 
Lord, we thank you for the time that we've gotten to spend together. We pray for safe travels back home. But Lord, we pray that what's happened here would not stay here, but it would be felt in our lives when we go back, and it would be lived out in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our youth groups, in our neighborhoods, in all the world when we go back to let the world know of this great family that you've created and that you invite them to be a part of. Lord, we ask all of this for your glory and in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.